John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Game Podcast, John. Oh man, it's going to be so high today. Yep. What do we talk about, John? We talk about guitars and guitars and guitars. And pedals. Oh, pedals, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, John. What? Where are you recording from? I am, again, in a secret basement bunker. Beautiful West Seattle. Oh, yeah, beautiful West Seattle. Both of us. Great. I'm just cutting right to the chase here. We also have a guest. Was that a pun? Ooh. <laughs> it totally wasn't, and I felt really bad right when I said it. No, I don't think I've heard that one. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Okay, Ed has literally cut to the chase because we have here Joel Corti of Chase Bliss Audio. God damn. Hey, Joel. Hello again. This is the third time you've been on this show. Wait, is it the third? We interviewed you at NAM. Oh. This is only the second, like, audio-specific one. Right. But yeah, you're the first time we've had a 3 P. Gosh, that's so exciting because uh, <laughs> I think that I hold a similar distinction at the Tone Mob podcast, which I'm unreasonably proud about. So now I'm equally as proud about this distinction on the high gain podcast <laughs> it's a super big deal yeah we need to send him a trophy or something <laughs> yeah, clearly a blazer <laughs> oh that'd be great you could just pick one up at the thrift store and <laughs> exactly do a little sharpie on it be great okay <laughs> Wide 
Beverages. Beverages, Ed. Dude, that sounded great. Thank you very much. That's some U2. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like from that Unforgettable Fire, which is probably my favorite album of all time. I'm glad you're a big U2 fan. I am too. I don't know what happened in the last few years that I feel like it's not cool to like U2. For, I don't know. It's not hip. People are dumb. That's why. Yeah. That album is so good. I'm one of those weirdos where I think The Edge is one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Agree. If you're an artist, it's your job to try shit and see what happens. That's what it's all about. Yeah. If you didn't, it'd be so boring. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Dylan, when he did the Victoria's Secret commercial. (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) No, I don't even remember that. That's art. I have a Jones soda here. It's one of the blue ones, like that bubblegum blue. Ooh. It's berry lemonade, so it's like really weird because you expect it to be not lemony, but it is, but that's okay. And I made a smoothie with blackberries and strawberries and banana. Oh, that sounds outstanding. There you go. What about you, Joel? What do you got? So this is a little bit more acceptable because it's 2.30 here, but I do have a Guinness and a coffee. (laughs) Perfect. That's a hell of a strong combo there. It's really working. I love it. I'm really leaning into it, and it's going great over here. (laughs) Can I tell you guys a brief Guinness story? Ooh, please. The first beer I ever drank was a warm Guinness. Wow. I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. I was in the attic bedroom of a friend of mine, and we snuck it into the house by pulling it up on a rope outside his window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as we pulled it up, it started swinging and banged on his parents' bedroom window as they were sleeping. They didn't wake up. They did not wake up. And so we were up there drinking warm Guinness, and I've liked it ever since. Guinness is a strong start in seventh grade at like 14, John. Warm, yeah. What are you doing? What was your reaction when you had it for the first time and you had no other experience drinking beer? I think we liked it. Hell yeah, you did. Yeah. It was such a long time before I even tried Guinness because I would hear from other people, they'd be like, oh, it's like a meal. Right. I mean, there's so much stuff out there now that's like super heavy. I don't know. I think it's kind of like an easy drinker in a way. Especially when you throw that coffee on top. Oh, gosh, yeah. Hell yeah. What do you got, John? What do I have? I've got coffee, but then I have Bubbly, the brand name, sparkling water. Buble. Buble, yes. And this is grapefruit flavor. There is a slogan on this. Yeah? It says, hold cans with me. Mm, great. Isn't that adorable? It's very cute. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about guitar stuff and pedal stuff? Sure. (laughs) Are you into it? Yeah. Yeah, we got that CXM 1978, which is based on the Lexicon 224, right? Yes. Well, it's obviously inspired by the original hardware, but in my discussions with Angelo about it, he says it's kind of equally as inspired by the records that the 224 was on, you know, and heavily utilized on. And so that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. That is why we chose you too. The Lexicon 224 is all over the Unforgettable Fire album. Yes. Hell yes. What else is that on? Vangelis famously used it a lot on the Blade Runner soundtrack, which uh, the folks at Maris are very much into. It kind of revolutionized things. 
I was playing with the Enzo. Oh. And there's actually some settings that are like Blade Runner presets. Sure. And man, that going into the 78. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's so great. It's chasing blitz. Yeah. As far as like the look is concerned for CX in 1978, the Maris folks and myself are into early science fiction stuff. They're super into Blade Runner. I'm obsessed with Blade Runner. And there's a movie that's actually George Lucas's first film, I believe, called THX 1138. So, you know, it's kind of like the same nomenclature as CXM 1978. But it's like that white on white sci-fi aesthetic specific to that film. But if you've ever seen THX 1138, we wanted it to have that look. Totally. Maybe some uh, Clockwork Orange. Maybe some Milk Bar. Yeah, there's some vibes. Yep. Is the CXM then a reference to that, or is it some sort of Chase X Maris acronym? Yeah, so I mean, we're like, what should we name this thing? And we went through like five names. Most of them were pretty bad and were suggested by me. And then we're like, okay, how can we kind of pay homage to this look that we're trying to capture here? And then we just thought CXM is like Chase Bliss and Maris and 1978 is when the 224 was released. So we're just like, let's call it that. I just kind of like having 1978 in the name. It seems kind of cool to me. And actually, that was all Terry's idea, which is great because usually I don't like things unless I suggest it. So, (laughs) you know, like when you're in a band and you're trying to figure out a name and like someone says a name and you knew if you thought of it, you would like it. But (laughs) exactly. Ego stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Terry thought of it and I instantly loved it. So I was like, yes. It did not occur to me that that's Chase Bliss X, you know? Yeah. How did I not get that? I'm glad you didn't get it. I hope more people don't get it. Hopefully it's mysterious, you know. It totally makes sense to me now. (laughs) For viewers just tuning in and who have been living under a rock, we're on with Joel Cordy of Chase Bliss. And we're talking about the new pedal, of course, the CXM 1978 built on the Automaton platform. Yeah, if you've been living under a rock or, you know, are not very interested in guitar pedals, (laughs) maybe you haven't heard of this thing. So... I'm throwing this out there, and this is the hard question. Are you ready? Yes. The CXM and the preamp, and like, I don't know how to word this, they feel safe in that they are not crazy Chase Bliss pedals. A lot of your stuff has very wild sounds to it. Yep. And man, this 78 is just beautiful. Was that a thing where like you kind of thought through the line, like this is a better sound for the Automaton line? Yeah. Because it seems like a piece of studio gear. That's a really good question. I'm trying to remember the exact moment that I decided I wanted to do the Automaton platform. You know, I've been using my pedals for a long time in a band and I just thought like, what could improve these or like, what would I prefer here? And man, it'd be really nice if the controls, when you (laughs) recalled a preset would just move, you know, right? so you could see immediately where you were at. Because sometimes I would have, you know, a preset on the womb tone, for example, because I like that pedal a lot. And I would be like, man, how did I even get here? I've gotten emails over the years that are, you know, sort of, I wish there was some way to know what the preset is that I saved. 
And it's funny because over the course of a few years, because our pedals are expensive, you know, a lot of people have suggested, why don't you make a more affordable line of pedals? And I think that's sort of the conventional wisdom. Like, you know, you've got some notoriety, you could make stuff that'd be not as expensive. I just kind of go the other direction where I'm like, how could I improve these already expensive pedals? There's just a lot of the same stuff at a certain price point, in my opinion. Yeah. I buy all sorts of like toys for my kids and there's just so much stuff that just is junk, like plastic and it doesn't last. If there were toys out there, and I'm sure there are somewhere, but I don't know where they are, that are not total pieces of shit, I would spend extra for something that is quality. I mean, obviously like a $200 guitar pedal is not a piece of shit, but like there's just a lot of options in that range. So I want to go where others aren't. It's wild how fast you can just like plug the thing in and hit a couple buttons. It's so intuitive to use. It's so clear what each button does. I spent so much time thinking about that. I want this platform to have tons and tons of options, but I want it to be something that you can really easily wrap your head around. And that's like the mission statement of this thing, you know? Last night, Ed and I kind of synced up remotely to just kind of go over this and walk through the pedals. And I was playing and I was saying, oh, you know, I was thinking of using preset number five. Mm -hmm. Or I can go with preset number two. And he was like, oh, that's a natural acoustic one. Like he had it memorized already. Hmm. I think that's what the visual cues give you. Like if I mention a book or an album you might have on your shelf, I'll bet you can tell me what color the spine is. Yep. You've created the same experience with the pedal. Yeah. You use a setting enough and you know what color the radio buttons are and the rough position of the sliders and you don't have to think about it really much further than that. That's wonderful. You'll see like huge companies come in and basically copy other people's ideas, you know, right? and make it super cheap and whatever. I guess that's capitalism and we could argue about that and, you know, <laughs> what's ethical and what's not. But what I love about this platform is like you want to make this pedal well, for starters, the actual sound of it, you know, the algorithms are designed by Angelo at Maris, and he's been literally writing reverb algorithms for like multiple decades. And he's just a really, really talented and awesome guy and has really good taste. So there's that. But then, you know, we're using the best everything on all the parts. Yeah, it's expensive, but you just can't cut corners on this thing. Maybe someone will try to copy it, but like... That just seems dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. Racing to the bottom kills me. Yeah. Absolutely kills me. I don't know why I brought that up. I like having products like that where if someone wants to come in and try to undercut it, it's just like, whatever, man, go for it. Right. See how it works out, you know? Did you guys know that another user of the Lexicon 224 was our man George Michael on the Faith album? <laughs> I actually didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't either. That is outstanding. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The more you know. Hey, you guys know what guitar this is I'm playing? I want to know everything about it. I've seen a picture of it. Man, this thing is amazing. This is our good friend Mike Baranek. This is a B1, only the 13th made. The finish is satin black. Two hollow foil pickups, which are really cool. Yeah. And then all the accents are like this weird sparkly lime green color called Lagoon Gold Glitter. <laughs> oh, so good. 
The neck, which plays really well, is maple with a bacote fretboard. Ooh, bacote. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> if that neck wasn't bacote, I would not touch it. <laughs> Yes. I had no idea what Bacote is. Lay it on us. Commonly known as Manjack. Oh, sure. It comes out of the genus Cordia, named after a German botanist, Valerius Cordus. He was born in 1515 and eventually made his name by figuring out how to synthesize ether. Wow. Oh, cool. And you know what he called it when he did it? The sweet oil of vitriol. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. You think he was just like huffing ether? Like, oh, I'm a scientist. Don't mind me. I'm just in a lab like huffing ether all day. Is that a thing? Maybe. I bet you huff enough ether, it'll do a little something. Something. Don't try it at home. Yeah. <laughs> 1520 in Germany, maybe the plague is all over the place doing something and you're just like huffing the ether. Hell yeah. Speaking of Baronick, I think he takes a similar approach where it's like, you know, you're just not really going to replicate Mike's work, you know? No. He's just doing something on a different level, you know? He made the two guitars at NAM, the Mood and the Blooper guitars. How did that come about? Were you just a fan and started talking to him or? Well, I'm kind of oblivious to a lot of things. So I wasn't familiar with his work. And it's funny because he came up to our booth at the NAMM show and was into Chase Bliss stuff. And I was nice, like I always am, but I, you know, was like, okay, this guy like wants to work together and do some guitars and stuff. In my head, I was like, okay, yeah, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then Knobs, he was there and he's like, hey, this Mike guy's like really good. You should check out his stuff. We're thinking about doing a guitar together. Really, it was Knobs that got me to pay attention to what was going on because they did a guitar together and Knobs is just like in love with it. And then I started to become friends with Mike and saw his work and I was like, whoa, he's into guitar pedals and it just kind of organically grew from that. And then, you know, basically took knobs kind of shaking me, shaking me and just being like, hey, look at this stuff. And then I was like, wow, Mike Baranek, what a hero. <laughs> it's probably hyperbole to describe a guitar as perfect. <laughs> But I have zero issues with the way this thing plays. It's quite something with these pickups. I should say the pickup switch. This is more like an attenuation knob. You can put it in the middle to have both pickups, but you can also blend so it goes smoothly from the neck. Oh, cool. So here's uh, the neck. If I dial back slowly. Now I'm on the bridge and anywhere in between. And the tremolo is a goldo tremolo. I got to play that guitar for, I don't know, I had it for about a week or something before I gave it over to John yesterday. And it's amazing. And I'm not really a huge trem guy. I'm just kind of afraid of them. I'm just worried that it's going to like get my guitar to tune. And I know there's ways around it, but I'm just like lazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. The guy that designed it, Goldo, his actual name is Dieter Goldsdorf. Oh, sure. You might know him from his work with Duesenberg guitars. Oh, the fancy pants guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our man Dieter, he likes to collect 
tremolo systems. Really? Sure. Apparently, like any tremolo that's ever been used on anything, he is very familiar with. So when it comes to designing something that's going to be most reliable, I guess he's the guy that would know how to do it. Okay. The trem system on that guitar, like you just move it into a spot and you can just like tap it and it's just perfect of everything on that guitar. There's a lot of cool shit on that guitar. Right. I was like, oh, I think if I ordered a Baronic, I would want like a hard tail. This made me reconsider that. That trim's pretty great. That's interesting because, you know, ever since I met Mike, I've been thinking about having him build a guitar for me. But my issue is that I just have this weird affinity towards strats that I can't seem to shake, you know, which is fine. But like, I'll try another guitar and then I'll be like, ah, I just guess I would just prefer if this was a Stratocaster. I don't know. I need to talk to him and be like, what could we make that I might like? (laughs) (laughs) I bet whatever he came up with would be great. Yeah, you would probably think it was pretty cool. I wagered that you're probably right. It is weird. Like, you know, there's no selector at all. It's just that blend knob. That's pretty fascinating. I don't know how that would be in a live setting to like roll it. You know, if you were actually playing and you wanted to go from one to the other. They're clearly marked. The knob has a red dot on it. And then he's using this iconography on the knob plate so you can see where you are. And the center has a detent. You can feel it when you get to the middle. Yeah. You would certainly get used to it. Right. I also never change my tone or anything. Yeah. I don't know. I switch pickups, I guess. So I'm sure you just get used to it, you know. How does that thing take fuzz, JFK? Funny you should ask, Ed. Did you see what I did there, Joel? Yes, I did. How about that? (laughs) I have here a Bliss Factory pedal. Fancy that. Yeah. Ed has requested, Joel because he knows that I like crazy noise. He said, why don't you start with like the most serviceable fuzz tone you can get, and then we can take it from there. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> we got the beat. <laughs> you like that, the Go-Go's? Yeah, no, I got it, yeah. How does it take dirt? Okay, so if I'm in the middle and I've got my tone... By the way, there are two volumes and one tone. I'll put the tone in the middle as well. I'll put it on the neck pickup. Roll it up, Bridgie. Man, that sounds really good. How much, like stomach issues did that pedal release cause you (laughs) um another difficult question (laughs) ed with the hard balls no i'm here for it i mean (laughs) it's kind of cool though to be just talked about you know in general in some ways i think people have been a little like over sympathetic to me because you know at the end of the day we sold a thousand pedals in under an hour so right you know if people are going to be mean to me online (laughs) <laughs> I should be able to deal with that. Sure. We have all sorts of like, quote unquote, problems right now at Chase Bliss, where for whatever reason, well, I think there's probably several reasons, but we just can't make enough of it. Our stores get mad at us. When's my order coming? And people have been waiting too long. 
we just aren't able to make enough of the things, especially when, you know, there's a pandemic going on. Right. Regardless of supply, if there's this hype behind any product, there's going to be that speculation on the secondary market. And it's like, how is that really at the end of the day, your problem? Obviously, the market for gamers and gaming consoles is far larger than guitar pedals. That's an understatement. But, you know, the PlayStation 5 right now, um, nobody can get it as far as I know. And, it, you know, if you do want one, you have to pay a ton on the secondary market. I hang out a lot on uh, the gear page and I was just taking some heat from people being like, how could you not expect this? And it's not like I didn't think we would sell all a thousand of the Bliss Factories, but just to put things in perspective, one of our pedals, Condor, I think we've made 1,300 of those, and it's been out almost three years. Right. We're talking about selling a thousand pedals in under an hour. Right. Yeah. That's just a whole nother level of what we're accustomed to. Right. There was backlash that felt different for whatever reason, and maybe it's just the popularity of your brand right now, which seems like a fine problem to have. Yeah. I've got a V1 life pedal Yep. from Earthquaker. I bought it because I wanted a V1 life pedal. And when they announced the second and the third and the fourth rev of it, people didn't seem to have the same fury for them to make another batch. Yeah. Maybe I'm in a different mindset than flipper people. It seems like there's always going to be the flippers. And they're always going to just like jack that price up and they're in it just for that. Like corporate entities buying the front row of seats at a concert or something and then not even showing up. Yeah. But why do you think it was different this time? It seemed like people were exceptionally verbal <laughs> Yeah. this time when the flippers came out. Maybe it's just like the climate of the world and everything's tense, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was like right after the election too when it came out, I think. So I don't know. We have this channel on our Discord, and it basically, for the last six months, it's just like a Chase Bliss fan group. Really? You come up so much, it's wild. So we asked people if they had questions. Can we just like fire a couple of quick... Oh, yeah. And we can go a little over, I, just for the listeners. This is exactly what happened last time, where like my wife, she's like, how long is it going to take? Because, you know, she wants to do stuff. Of course. And it's, you know, Sunday. And our kids are just particularly insane these days. But I was like, oh, probably an hour. But then once I get on with you guys, I start having so much fun that I just want to keep talking. But let's uh, try to get to some of the questions. The takeaway I'm hearing is that we're fun, Ed. That's all I heard. <laughs> Just keep having me on and I'll keep adding to my appearance record. Perfect. One thing that would be fun. Yes. If we did like a product release announcement on here and just Ooh. shined a big light on the high gain. Oh my God. Everybody tune in. <sighs> that would be fantastic. Okay. High gain question, Ed. Yeah. Who do we have? Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. Who I think has maybe every Chase Bliss pedal. I love him. I love Scuba Steve. Three Desert Island guitar pedals. Ooh. Can they be Chase Bliss pedals? And I feel so weird. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, blooper? Because, you know, you got to have a looper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the blooper, and then I'm going to be done with Chase Bliss stuff. I'm going to pick something else. I am going to go with the Maris Polymoon, just because there's a lot of sounds you can get out of that thing, and it just would be one of those things where you could keep discovering stuff for a very, very long time. Bring a computer to that island. Yes. <laughs> and You bringing any uh, dedicated dirt? 
I was going to say the Impress Echo system, but I probably should bring some dirt. No, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to bring any dirt. Whoa. Whoa. Well, oh gosh, I got to bring some dirt. <laughs> um, Just, you know what? We're going to do the Bliss Factory, the Blooper, and the Polymoon. Nice. Love it. If we're going to piggyback on that, our user Hooker <laughs> tacked onto that and said, what's your Desert Island guitar? I mean, it would be a Strat. I have a Mexican Stratocaster, which I changed out a lot of the hardware and you know the pickups and stuff and just really made it how I like it. And that's kind of the one I always end up going back to. Although I've been playing the Ed O'Brien Strat for a couple of years, I guess now, and I do really like that. Any plans to release current pedals in the automatone format? Ooh. There's been a lot of conversations, lots of ideas about how we could port over different stuff to the automaton. Some stuff doesn't translate quite as well as you would think, but I'm obsessed with the automaton format right now. So I would like to explore that some more. And especially because it can support stereo. I think that there's a lot of people that are turned off by Chase Bliss pedals not being stereo. And if we could do something in the automaton format that could enhance a previous design and add stereo. Sure. Um, how about has Chase Bliss learned a lot from your collaborations with other pedal manufacturers and how will or how has this new knowledge changed Chase Bliss pedal designs? We learn a ton with every collaboration because other companies, you know, they know tons of stuff that we don't and we're just really able to help each other. But one thing that was really nice with the CXM in particular is that there's a balanced input and output mode you can do on CXM 1978. So it's nice to hook up balance cables up to it for like high performance and low noise and stuff. And Terry helped out with that because he's really knowledgeable about that sort of stuff. So that was a thing that I didn't really know how to handle. That was something that was just like, very advantageous, you know, to be able to learn that and have that skill. Do you think all the automatones that you have planned should be collaborations or will you make a dedicated effect on the platform that's Chase Bliss only? That's a good question. I'm we have some garbage in the house. <laughs> It's really awesome. Guys, give me two minutes. I'll be right back, okay? All right, I'm back. The thing about little kids is like, they're so awesome, but man, they just don't leave you alone. (laughs) Man, your kids are very adorable. (laughs) Thanks, man. You posted your RV life. Was that a blast? It was one of the best weeks of my life, I feel like. Ever since we got back from that trip, I just want to do another one so bad. Wow. One of the questions was from Whiskey Papa, who uh, wanted to know what the highlight of the trip was, and if you have any tips for listeners planning a self-contained, COVID-safe RV trip. (laughs) That's a great question, because I went into this not knowing anything about RVs really at all. And I know that it's like a popular thing to do this year because, you know, you can make it kind of a COVID-friendly experience. Yeah. I started watching YouTube videos and I asked my employees, actually, does anybody know if there's like a website that would be kind of similar to Airbnb, but for RVs? And one of them was like, oh, yeah, there's this website called outdoorsy.com that is literally that. 
Wow. So I looked on there and there is a bunch of RVs from private owners that were listed in my area. And I found one that had reviews that were like, this person is great for beginners that don't know anything. And there was like five reviews like that. And then I sent them a message and said, hey, I literally don't know anything. I've watched some YouTube videos. And they said, that's great. That's fine. Well, when you come and pick up the RV, we'll give you like a two-hour orientation on how everything works. And it's not that complicated. At least the one we had wasn't. And then we'll drive around with you and make sure you feel comfortable with everything. As soon as I started driving that thing, I was like, man, (laughs) this is it. This is incredible. And as far as like a highlight, I think it was just, I don't know, the freedom of it. And I know if you go in like the peak summertime, you have to plan stuff because the campsites get filled up and everything. But when we went, it was towards the end of the season. So we could pretty much go to any campsite and there was tons of availability. So it was just kind of like, okay, where should we go today? Yeah. You just got a house on, on wheels. You really need to come out to beautiful West Seattle. It's a short drive to the coast. You could go up and down the coast. It's beautiful. I've heard about that. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good way out of this thing. Okay. Were there any questions for the high gain boys that you needed answered? Any pressing concerns? I would say just keep up the great work, you know, for the people. (laughs) (laughs) We were fishing for exactly that. Not all heroes wear capes, you know. That's our next t-shirt, Ed. All right. Well, I think we did a great job. I think everybody did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Joel Corti of Chase Bliss, we have to once again thank you from the bottom of uh, what we call our hearts for coming on and talking to us. Anytime you guys want me on, I'm all for it. It's fun hanging out with you guys. Awesome. And you're at chaseblissaudio.com. You're all over the Instagrams. You have a fire Twitter. A-plus content. (laughs) It's getting a little saucy. I don't know if it's for everyone, but it is for me. That's perfect. We're on Twitter. We're the high gain on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn, Patreon. We're everywhere, Joel. You know that. Wouldn't have it any other way. That's fantastic. I bet you guys aren't on TikTok yet, though. We're still working on our sweet dance moves. Okay, good. Awesome work, Joel. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.